Well, good morning, Grace people. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning, Grace people. Awesome. Good to hear from you. Good morning, His Kids. If you're a kid, say hi. Nice job. Well done. It's good to be with you this morning. We've come to the end of our Lenten sermon series, a series we've been focusing on, the following questions. That's been our theme and our title. Five questions, as a matter of fact, a journey through these five questions that help us define the relationship, as they say, between us and Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. And we want to define that relationship and, and help us to learn more of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And these five questions can help us in that. As a way of review, we're just going to go through them a bit today because we want to culminate and bring this whole thing together for you as best as we can today. The first question was, who do you come from? Who do you come from? And the answer is, you are a part of a story that incorporates you into God's family and unites you with every other Christian. We started off by saying if Jesus is your Messiah, then Israel is your family and the Bible is your story. Scripture becomes your story. It's the story that we all are, are involved in and continue to be a part of writing even beyond Scripture in our own lives. But it, it centers back in that all-encompassing story of God's resurrection and his redemption and his rescuing of all of us through Jesus Christ. So that's the first question, who you come from, and then who is on your team? Once you know where you come from, you want to know who is with you. And the beauty of this is God has created an incredible team, a diverse team that makes up his church, and the differences between Christians are a beautiful part of God's plan to reach a very diverse world. All kinds of different people in all kinds of different places. Wherever you are, that is where God has called you. And we join together as one team, the church, to be a part of what it is that God is doing in the world. Then we came to what's the problem, right? What's the problem? We can talk about all kinds of different problems, but the bottom line is sin is at the root of all of our problems. And it cannot be solved by anything other than God's forgiveness and his mercy and his love for each and every one of us. Jesus did what we couldn't do and accomplished all of this for us, solving the problem of sin. And as we continue in this life, we then confess and repent and live into that reality because we can't fix it, folks. It's a real problem, and it undermines every other problem that we see in the world. And then last week we looked at what does success look like? What does success look like? And the fact is it's the complete opposite of how the world sees success. Upside down. The world defines success through power and through, through maybe money or accumulation of things. But success, as Jesus defines it, well, it comes through the humble service of your neighbor, through lovingly seeking out the best for those around you, loving and caring for those who are around you. That's success. So there's those first five questions, and that leaves us with the last question today, which is, what power do you have? What power do you have? See, to accomplish anything in life, you have to have access to power. Power in all kinds of different forms, right? 
You can talk about natural power, whether it's plugging something in to cook a meal, <laughs> whether it's, it's uh, using a, a device of some sort that, that you need to power on or, or plug in to charge it, or even just the power of our bodies. We need calories to keep these physical bodies going and to, to live into that kind of power. Power is a reality, and it's all around us in so many different ways. And when you don't have it, well, I tell you what, I've had a couple of experiences these last few months. I've been on some trips. Anybody been on any trips lately? When you go on a trip, it's much more complicated than it used to be. I used to go on a trip, and about the only thing I needed to be concerned about at all was, do I have something to plug in my razor? Can I make sure that my razor gets plugged in, right? Or do I have a power source for it? Was it charged before I left? Well, not anymore. Now I have no less than seven things that need some source of power in them when I go anywhere. I need something to charge my phone, something to charge my watch. Whoever thought about charging a watch before, but now we have to. Charge a phone, charge a watch, charge my Kindle, make sure that my razor is charged, make sure that my trimmer is charged because you got a beard, right? Oh, and then if you're going on a business trip, which a number of these trips have been for me, you got to make sure that the laptop has a charger with it too. That's six. And somewhere in there's the seventh that I've already forgotten. But I know that I will forget at some point to bring the right power for it, right? That's what happens. Suddenly you don't have the right adapter, you don't have the right cable, you don't have the right thing, and you are without power. It's everywhere. And it becomes more and more necessary as we, as we become more and more connected to these various devices. We need power to live life. But you know what? This isn't the kind of power that Jesus describes to us or the kind of power that we as his followers truly need in our lives. And Paul helps us understand that in his letter to the Ephesians. If you brought your Bible with you today, open up to Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians Chapter 1, right at the beginning, we're going to take a look at what Paul has to say about power and how he explains it for us as his followers. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. You can follow along with me as I read. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow, Paul is describing something pretty dramatically here. 
And it makes sense given the context of where he was. Paul was in Ephesus, and Paul had been there and tried to do ministry in Ephesus. It was a hard place to do ministry for a lot of different reasons, but part of it was is that there were all kinds of different ways that people saw spiritual power there. They saw spiritual power manifest in, in, in having little talismans, having, having little special objects that they would use to, to help them pray. They, they believed it gave them some kind of supernatural power. And they would pray to all kinds of different gods and to all sorts of different types of, of magic. All these kinds of things were happening all around Ephesus. And now some of these Ephesians were coming to Jesus. And they were still messing around with some of these other powers. And so Paul wanted to make it really, really clear to them. Listen, there is a power that is now a part of you as followers of Jesus that is incomparable to any other power in the world, every other power, and any other power. And that's the same today. No matter how you describe power or see power, there's a power at work in us as followers of Jesus that is unlike any other power. Maybe you've witnessed some powerful things in your life. I remember one powerful thing that I witnessed. I I took my family on a trip out west, and we had a chance to see the Hoover Dam amazing, incredible. Just looking at it is impressive enough. You can see the power of what it took to build something like this, to hold back this much water. But then as we went on a tour and made our way throughout this dam, we came into the room where they had the gigantic turbines, the big power-generating turbines, enormous, absolutely huge. And the hum and drone of these huge power turbines was deafening as you came into this room. That was something to behold, to realize the kind of electric power that was being generated by the water coming through the Hoover Dam. Powerful. But of course, there are other things that people witness all the time that are powerful, right? Like the the power of a tornado, or of a hurricane, or, or of a volcano, or the power unleashed through the atom, whether it's an atomic power plant or an atomic bomb. Incredible amazing power. And friends, none of this power can compare to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. The power to raise someone from the dead. All the power that we have in the world All the sources of power, whether it be electrical or natural or whatever it might be, the reality of it is every one of us is facing death. And nothing has reversed that. No matter how far technology has gone, we may be able to prolong life, extend life, but in the end, everybody dies. And in the case of Jesus, that death was reversed. That actual physical death was reversed. And the only power that could do that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same power that broke into our natural world and raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is extended to you and to me. That's why Paul is so excited here. And that's why Paul is so adamant about praying about this 
for those believers in Ephesus. He wants them to understand how grateful and thankful he is for them that they have received this good news about Jesus. But he wants to keep asking and keep praying for them that their eyes would be opened, that that their hearts would, would understand the power that has come into them through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope that has been given to them, the life that has been given to them, the glorious inheritance that has come to each and every one of them. This is the power. And as a matter of fact, it's the only power that Paul talks about us needing. See, there's a reason why we started this sermon series and have been going through the five questions, and this question about power is the last one. Because in our broken, sinful world, we always want to start with our power. We want to start with power and work our way backwards through this list. We want to start by talking about what kind of power do I have? Who can I rule over? What can I control in my own strength and my own might? I need to get that kind of power. Because if I had that kind of power, then I could define my own success. I could succeed in my own life by exerting that power over others. And through that, I can solve any problem. I can solve my problem. I can solve other people's problems. And then I'll know what team I'm on because my team will be the winning team and everybody else's team will be the losing team. And that will then define the story of my life. See, that's what happens if we go backwards through this list and start with our power. And that's why we don't start with our power. That's why we come at this the other way. It's like when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We start off in the Lord's Prayer by acknowledging who God is as our loving and caring Father. And we pray through the petitions addressing our needs and God's goodness. And when we get to the end of it, we pray these words, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Not mine, thine. It's God's power. It's God's glory. It's God's kingdom that we were invited into. And we acknowledge the power that is on display by God by acknowledging first that he has raised Jesus from the dead for us. And from that place, we walk our way through the story. And when we talk about power as followers of Jesus... We must remember that spiritual power isn't some impersonal force that we tap into. If you're a fan of the Star Wars movies, many of you are, you know they talk about the force, right? This impersonal force that's just kind of out there. You can tap into it for good, you can tap into it for evil, it's just just out there kind of floating around in the mist. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power that we have access to as followers of Jesus. You see, spiritual power is not a product you can purchase. He is a person you can know. That's the beauty. That's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. He is a person. Jesus, in fact, introduces us to him this way 
when he says this in John chapter 15, verse 26. He says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Not it. He, the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we relate to that person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And through that person living in us that Jesus promised, we have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a humbling thing. It can be a frightening thing. It can be a scary thing for some. So where do we go from here? I mean, what, what are we to understand about the Holy Spirit and his power? Well, we keep in mind all five of the questions that we've gone through over the course of this sermon series. So number one, we start with the story. And we don't leave the story behind. We go back to the story again and again and again and again. The story of Scripture. If you haven't read all the way through the Bible and, and had a chance to be exposed to this story, I encourage you. There are all kinds of resources online that will help you go day by day the Bible in a year. There are Bibles that you can purchase that will actually guide you through readings every day throughout a year. If you haven't done it before, do it. And if you've done it before, do it again. <laughs> and when you get to the end, start over. Because this is the story. This is our story that we are a part of. So start with the story and ground yourself in the story. And then stick with the team. <laughs> stick with the team. Friends, you are here today at Community of Grace Lutheran Church. For many of you, this is your church. For some of you, you might just be exploring it, trying to find out, is, is this really the, the group that I want to team up with? That's okay. But I know we have come through a crazy season of life over these last two years. Crazy, something none of us expected. And as a result, as you look around, you probably see a lot more empty chairs than you did three years ago or four years ago. And it can be easy to come up with all kinds of thoughts in our mind. Well, you know, I mean, everybody's going to come back, and pretty soon we'll all get back to normal. Friends, don't think that way. Think forward. <laughs> and say to yourself, is this my team? If this is my team, then I want to be a part of this team. I want to stick with this team. And if you're out there and you're watching online and you're just kind of starting that journey or thinking about coming back, that's okay. It's all right. I know many of you have felt separated from this place for, for such a long period of time that you might be thinking, ah, I don't know, do, do I even belong there anymore? Is it, is it even still the church that I remember? Hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to wonder and to ask. It's okay to be cautious, to take those steps gently and gradually. That's okay. You are loved and you belong. But stick with the team. Stick with the team. Because when you're with the team, together we will deal with the problems that face us. First of all, we deal with the biggest problem of all, which is sin. Every time we're together, we acknowledge that we are sinners and that we need God's grace and forgiveness. That's part of what the team does. And from those problems of sin, we can deal with our other problems too. We can deal with our differences. We can deal with our challenges. We do it together as a team. 
So start with the story and then stick with the team. And then serve with humility. From being on the team, look for opportunities to bless and love your neighbors. Not to show somehow that you're better than they are or to exert some kind of unkind influence over them. No, just humbly to serve others like Jesus serves us. So start with the story, stick with the team, serve with humility, and then stay in the Spirit. Stay in the Spirit. Ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Make that a spiritual practice. We're going to talk some more about that this coming Wednesday night. I invite you to come back and and be with us for for our last time together during the Lenten season. 4.30 or 6.30, whichever works for you. Just come and be with us as we talk some more about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's the power that we need. He is the person that we need in our lives to help us live out this journey. To walk in that resurrection power. Start with the story. Stick with the team. Serve with humility, stay in the spirit. I know those all start with S's and pastors like it when you can come up with lists like that. (laughs) But seriously, this is just part of our journey together. And that journey doesn't end. That journey continues on until we're all called home. And part of that journey that we share together is at this table. And we're gonna come to that in just a minute. First, we're going to pray and prepare our hearts to come to the gift that God has given and left for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have brought us on this journey. Thank you, Lord, that the questions that that we have asked over the course of this sermon series, Lord, they're they're questions that help us define our relationship with you, Lord, And, and they are imperfect and they are incomplete just like we are. But Lord, we know that whatever it is that we ask, when we ask it humbly before you, Lord, you are the one who brings us into relationship and helps us walk the journey and find the answers in you, Lord. Even when it's unclear, even when we're, we're still wondering or when we're not certain, Lord, we are certain of you. We're certain of who you are and who you have revealed yourself to be. And where we are uncertain, Lord, encourage us to go back to the story again. Lord, help us to to stick with the team so that we can encourage one another, deal with the problems that we face and that ultimate problem being sin. Help us, Lord, from that place to serve humbly the world around us and then to stay connected to your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all of this and the journey that you have us on. Thank you. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.